It has been a minute since the Cardinals and the Rangers last saw each other on the field of play in Arlington. You may remember how that series ended. If you're a Rangers fan, you may be trying to forget how that series ended. But don't worry, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that today. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds. Thanks so much for checking out another series preview. If you are new here and you like what you see, be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you want more content. There are game recaps, series previews, and more right here at Bird Seeds. Today, my guest to help me preview this Cardinals Rangers series is Levi Weaver from The Athletic. He has a new podcast out as well. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. But for now, let's get to it. Cardinals and the Rangers this weekend in Arlington. Levi, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Uh, it's been a bit of a weird season so far for both the Rangers and the Cardinals, so lots to talk about. But first of all, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Uh, happy to be on here. I've, I've done a couple of like podcast guest appearances before, but never on video. And so now I'm going to be extremely like, every time I take a drink of coffee, I'm going to try to like be off screen. <laughs> Don't or worry, something. I, I have mine as well. So Oh, good. Well, cheers. <laughs> Cheers to, to you. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about the Rangers because there's a lot to get into there. But before that, I do just need you to know that I didn't even realize I cared so much about the uh, striking out the side conversation um, oh, yeah. until you wrote about it. And now all of a sudden I'm like absurdly passionate about this conversation. So uh, yeah. thanks for that, I think. But that has been I'm... everybody's reaction. It was like, I didn't know this was a thing. I just assumed <laughs> that the way that I thought of it was the way that everybody thought of it it's it's actually been kind of like a fascinating insight into almost like human psyche a little bit where people you know and pe people do this with everything and the way that i think about things is just how things are and to have your eyes open like wait a minute so many people see this another way i love putting people in that headspace over something that doesn't matter at all so we can kind of like fight it out a little bit but also it's kind of i think good for people to have that realization of like oh wow so what else do i think is just a given that isn't a given right uh, i didn't do that on purpose i wish i was smart enough to have come up with that as like a psychological test um but yeah like the 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 article that i wrote about it i was not lying when there was just this we were in the manager's office we had like you know six eight whatever media members there and somebody sort of gave their opinion and there was just a beat, just like one pause. And then literally like six people just started talking at the same time. And it was, it was great. Like I just, I literally just like sat over there doing Mr. Burns fingers, like look at all this chaos that I have wrought on this room. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, um, it's fascinating to me because to your point, it's one of those things that, that seems common enough that you probably don't have to process what it means or what people mean when mm -hmm. they say it very often. So to hear people or to read in, in your article, people who were so instantly defensive of their position and then having to go, well, okay, but why do I think that about right. what this is? It was fascinating. <laughs> For those, actually, if there's people that are watching that don't know what we're talking about, the, uh, Jose Leclerc struck out three batters in one inning, but he gave up a single uh, to the second guy. And so I wrote in an article that Jose Leclerc worked around a single and struck out the side because... That's how I'd always thought of it. And then somebody in the comments went, um, I think you mean he got three strikeouts in an inning because he gave up a single. He didn't strike out the side. I'm like, my man, I'm a baseball writer. Like, People pay me to go to baseball games. 
obviously I know what I I'm talking about I think I know what here. strike out the side means. But before I got, you know, crappy and like said that in the comments, I looked it up. I'm like, because, you know, I'm riddled with self, self-doubt like any writer. And so I looked it up. I'm like, holy crap. People see this two different ways. And like Tim Kirkjian a couple of years made it a big deal. And he declared like, no, it has to be three batters up, three batters down. You struck them all out. The only exception is if a runner, you know, reaches on a drop third strike and you strike the fourth guy out. And so, yes, now there's this huge divide. And the fallout of this is anytime somebody in the minor leagues or the big leagues or any strikes out the side and gives up a single, somebody tweets at me. So that's I <laughs> as, it, that on my- as it happens, right? You you yeah. inadvertently created a, a a thing that will yes. permanently be attached. Well, I had that's always thought of it the same way that you that you did, and that you know if you strike out three batters, you strike out the side. Whatever else happened is not really relevant to that particular caveat of what happened in the inning. But it was, um, like I said, I didn't realize how much I cared about that <laughs> until I was reading all these opposing opinions. So. Uh, There you go. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about the Rangers, though, because it has been a while before, uh, been a while since, rather, the Cardinals saw the Rangers, and (laughs) certainly some history there that a lot of people will bring up this week, but that's all all good and well. These are two very different teams now with very different directions. Um, I I feel like, even in my limited uh, knowledge of what the Rangers season has been like, it's a little bit complicated and and strange and shifting all the time so if it's possible for people who maybe haven't paid attention can you give me like a a a brief snapshot of what 2019 has been like so far for the for the rangers yeah i think i can sum it up um they've got two starting pitchers that have been good um lance lynn and mike minor and not in that order. Mike Miner has by far been the best. Uh, and then after that, the Rangers signed a bunch of guys who they were just sort of hoping would get them through this next year or two until the young, they've got a lot of young arms that are in AAA and AA right now that look like they're going to be pretty good in a year or two. So they signed Edinson Volquez, they traded for Drew Smiley, and they signed Shelby Miller. Uh, Edinson Volquez made a few starts, and then he injured his elbow. We don't know how badly yet. He's going to have another exam soon. Um, it, that, it could be the end of his career. Drew Smiley has been, you know, he was out of action for like two years. So he's going to have some bumps on the road. He's had some really impressive moments where he strikes out like 10 guys in five innings or whatever. But then he's also had outings where he only lasts, you know, three innings. Um, Shelby Miller has been bad. Um, and so the rotation has just been, um, kind of a mess. And so they're looking at Adrian Sampson, they're looking at Ariel Harado, and you're going to see two of them uh, in the next two nights, both of them working with somebody opening for them. Um, and then the bullpen, as yeah, there were kind of some questions about whether the bullpen was going to be good or not. The only thing we knew for sure was Jose Leclerc was going to be lights out in the ninth inning. At least we know that much. He's not the closer Surprise. anymore. <laughs> yeah, he had a hard time getting his fastball to go straight instead of up and to arm side. So he's been, they've been putting in him in some lower leverage situations to kind of try to get it sorted out. He seems like he's slowly making some progress. So that's good. Um, he's going to be the opener tonight. So um, that'll be an interesting role to see him in. Um, so the bullpen, yeah, bumpy. They, Chris Martin has been better this year than he was last year. Sean Kelly has been great, except he's on the IL now with some, weird infection that nobody really knows what it is 
the really uh, I started with that because the really interesting part has been the offense. You've got this group of young guys who look like they're they, the hope is that they're going to be the core when the Rangers are contending again. So it's Joey Gallo, it's Nomar Mazzara, Rubnet Odor, uh, Willie Calhoun, even guys like Ronald Guzman, who isn't expected to be like a superstar, but he's they expect him to be the first baseman of the future. Uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Uh, Ed, uh, Elvis Andrews isn't young anymore. He's you know 30, 31 years old, but he's kind of like the veteran. And then they signed a bunch of like sort of journeyman veterans: Logan Forsyth, Danny Santana, Hunter Pence. And the results have been very mixed. Joey Gallo has been a ultra mega superstar this year. He's finally starting to reach some of his potential, and that's been really fun to watch. Uh, Nomar Mazara has had a really difficult time kind of putting everything together. Rupnet Odor has had an even more difficult time putting everything together. Uh, Guzman was on the IL for about a month. Uh, Kiner Falefa is still learning how to be a catcher, and so I think that's got some wear and tear on his on his body and probably makes it more difficult for him to succeed at the plate. So it's been very just all over the place with the offense. The last two days, all of the guys that I said had been struggling killed it. Uh, they, we scored, they scored, what was it, 19 runs against uh, Kansas City yesterday. So... Hopefully, for them, they're they're putting it together. And then Willie Calhoun got called up when Andrews went on the aisle. So the injuries have also been a mess. The crazy fun thing has been that Santana, Forsyth, and Pence, all of their bench players have been lights out. Like Hunter Pence revamped his swing this offseason. Um, it still looks like a wild man. But I, I, the story that I did this week was actually I, I talked to Doug Lotta, the guy that helped him sort of revamp his swing. I talked to the Rangers' assistant hitting coach about it. And kind of try to figure out what it was that he's doing differently. Um, and it's been really fun to watch those guys. Logan Forsyth, I think, is hitting like 350 or something. Danny Santana has cooled off a little recently, but he has also been one of the more productive guys. So, um, yeah, very confusing. They were expected to be very bad. They were expected to be the last place team. And there for a while, they were like right at 500. I think 34 games into the season, they were at 500. So, um yeah, there's a, your quick, I try to make it brief and it wasn't that brief, run down of the range. <laughs> well, I didn't really figure so it would be because there's been a lot a lot going on. Um, a lot of moving for, pieces. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who really likes that sort of uh, breakdown of a swing kind of content, make sure you read that piece on, on Hunter Pence because it was, it was fascinating. And um, it is interesting because as you pointed out, it doesn't really look that different unless you really, really try to pay close attention to the tiny little moving parts. But yeah. that's that's baseball, right? Sometimes it's something that doesn't even look that different. It's just something that feels different, and mm-hmm. that's all all the change that they need. I was actually talking to uh, a minor leaguer yesterday about he had made a comment. He's a guy that's got a bunch of power, doesn't really hit for average, that sort of thing. He was trying to work on that this season, and and his comment was, "I want to learn how to hit." Well, I asked right. him, okay, what, is, what does that mean, though? What is that process for you? Because it's easy to say that, you know, I want to learn how to hit, but what is that process on a, on a daily basis? What are you looking for? How are you trying to change things? Um, and similar to the striking out the side question, I, I don't know that he's been asked that a whole lot because he had to kind of take a step back and think, okay, well, how do I how do I explain what it is that I'm trying to do? And I find that to be the most interesting, but the most difficult thing to 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 write or to explain with baseball is because so much of what happens is so hard to explain yeah well and pence too like the reason that i had to talk to doug lotta and had to talk to uh calyx crab was like pence would say things like oh it's 
it's way different. I'm using a completely different leg and a completely different arm, and it's short two and long through, and it's just revolutionized it, revolutionized my swing. And I'm like, none of that makes any sense to me. I don't know <laughs> what is. My my first question was like, okay, so short two, the zone, like the the strike zone, long through. How do you do that without slowing up your bat speed? Like you want right. your bat speed to still be fast. So how do you get there faster, but then stay there longer? That seems to be uh, a, a bit of a paradox to me. Come to find out, I was I was way off. Um, it's <laughs> it's more about you know when you're swinging. So when I was in high school, we had a coach that let me see if I can stand up and do this. Actually, we had a coach who gave me the worst advice. Um, I think I can see myself. Yeah. So he would have us take our you know elbow up first of all, and then when we swung, he wanted it to be a compact swing, which is fine, but we were like chopping down at the ball almost. So we, he would have us going like that. And what they, what Hunter Pence was saying is that like, and, and Crab as well, is when you're doing that, your bat path is going through like this. But the ball, because it's coming from the pitcher's mount, it's always, you know, obviously breaking balls are going to have more of a slant. Fastballs are going to look straighter, but it's still coming down a little bit. So if you want that contact, and I'm just explaining launch angle basically. So there are going to be people that are like, duh, just fast forward to the next 60 <laughs> seconds. If you're swinging like this, you better hit it exactly right and get a lot of backspin to get it to go far. Otherwise, you're going to either miss or you're going to hit it into the ground. So if you keep the swing kind of going slightly up, then you're going to have a more you're going to be in the zone for longer instead of passing through the zone, you know, the zone of the pitch doing this. Instead of passing through it and missing, you're going to be coming like this. So if you're a little bit late on a fastball, you're still in that zone. And if you're a little ahead on a breaking ball, you're still you know, in that zone. And it's not like an uppercut swing, but you want to keep your hands above. Um, he was, he was talking about, Crabby was talking about like your wrist moving like this. So when you're, you're going fast, keep these parallel, by the way, elbow not up, keep these parallel. When you're going fast, you're, you're, there's a lot more to it than this. Cause you're having to like cock up your core. See, it's even hard for me to explain. I've written a story about it. <laughs> then you're like, as you're, as you spin that wrist, that provides a little backspin and your hands are above the, above the um, barrel of the bat. But Lotta was saying that you don't, don't worry about the barrel of the bat. The barrel takes care of itself. You worry about what your hands are doing. Your hands will get the bat in the position. And any like hitting instructors that are watching this are going to be like, you did that way wrong. Well, I'm a writer. I'm just doing my best. <laughs> Lay off. Your job's just to explain it, not to do it, right? Yeah, yeah to, exactly. to, to the average fan. <laughs> I am a dilettante at right. best. I know that. But it was really fascinating to me, like you're saying, because, you know, when Hunter Pence is just like, he's a big feel guy. He's like, it just yeah. feels right. I got it to feel right. I know how to do this when it feels right. I'm like, that doesn't help me at all. I don't know what it feels like to be inside your body. So, right. Right. Um, yeah, I, I still, I'm sure that I've gotten it slightly wrong, but it was really interesting for me to pick those guys' brains and watch like, you know, even just the movement of the hand of the wrist to like do that was really interesting to me. I'd never had anybody explain. I learned more about hitting in 10 minutes talking to Calix Crab than I learned in, you know, however many years of high school. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. It's, that's, that's the kind of thing that I find very fascinating. I think that it also just explains how, how hard this game is and how easy it is to be just a fraction of a tiny little piece off um, because even in what you're talking about, I mean, it gives you a little bit more margin for error in the strike zone when you're swinging, but it's still like... It's on the order of milliseconds. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when you're talking about Hunter Pence kind of revitalizing himself, talking about Odor struggling, 
man, the difference there in, in what works and what doesn't doesn't have to be significant as far as what they're doing or not doing right. to be significant in the results that they're getting. And totally. I imagine that's and part of where the frustration comes from on their end is trying to figure out that tiny little thing. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, I actually, Mazzara and Odor are kind of doing what I expected Joey Gallo to do. So with Gallo, they said that he was, because he hits left-handed, but he is, he is right-handed, he was using his front arm a lot. And they've got a lot of guys that are like this. Odor is the same way. Uh, right-handed guys that hit left-handed, they were using their, their lead arm to, you know, that, that's your stronger arm. So it was a lot of triceps, a lot of pulling the ball or pulling the bat through. And they're trying to get them to do that less because when they do that, they're pulling the ball too much. And so when you see the crazy shifts against Joey Gallo, where you've got like nine guys standing about one foot away from each other, that one spot in right field, um, that's because he was, he was pulling the ball so much. And so what they were trying to get him to do is use the back half, similar to what I was talking about with Pence, you know, use your back shoulder, your back legs, your torque and drive from back there. And that's going to help you, you know, spray the ball a little bit better across the field. And I expected because Gallo's swing had been what it was for so long. I, I really, I, I probably tweeted this or put it in the story. Like I, I expected him to have a really rough start to the season and then figure it out at the more pitches he saw. Um, that didn't happen. He came out of the gates and just started hitting like crazy. But I think that might be what we're seeing with Odor. And to a, to a lesser extent, Mazzara, even though his thing wasn't being right-handed, just sort of taking in all of this new information from Luis Ortiz, from Kelly Strav. They're doing these, you know, it's biomechanics. They've got the, the slow-motion cameras. They're, I mean, it's really way more high-tech than it's ever been. And I think they're doing these adjustments with these guys and I think it just is taking them a while to kind of get it right till it feels right, and they, you know, the adjustment takes. Hopefully, that's all it is. It's um, always it's always interesting to me, um, particularly now when a team will start to implement a lot of that sort of the technological advantage that you can gain from some of this information, especially when you have guys who, for the most part have operated much more on feel as opposed to, hey, we can actually tell you what's happening and how it can, it, you can fix it. You know, implementing that is, is um, more complicated than I think a lot of people would like for it to be, especially people who are really big believers in the advantage that that can be. They would mm -hmm. like for it to just be, well, here's the problem, now do it. And it's right. not not always that simple. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's it's communication on two levels. It's communication first on explaining how these things work, like yeah. explaining the the technical aspect of it. Here's your, you know, it's your rhomboid muscle here, and it's your scapular muscle, and like here's you know when this fires, we can see the movement here. Like it, that explanation to somebody who is a baseball player. They're not a scientist. They're not a, you know, possibly even not that curious about how the body works. They just want to go play ball, man, and be good at it. Yeah. Explaining that in an interesting way where it takes is one level of communication. And I think there's a whole second level of communication, which is explaining why you should care. Why, why should you believe me and start doing this? What results are you going to see? Hey, if you struggle for a while, that doesn't mean that what I'm telling you is wrong. It just means that it's taking a while to get through that. And that, I think, more than anything, has been what the new coaching staff has excelled at. Chris Woodward has been an excellent communicator with the guys. Uh, Luis Ortiz, excellent communicator. I mean, Calix, I told you, taught me more about hitting in 10 minutes than I'd learned in my whole life. They're very good uh, communicators, and the players have very much bought in. Like, hey, we believe that this research is... And I think the younger guys, they, they grew up in a 
world where if you want to know something, I've got two kids, and if I don't get to say I don't know to a question anymore, like, can you Google <laughs> we'll it? Find it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we can know anything, so just figure it out, Dad. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys have grown up kind of in that world, and so there's less resistance, I think, to that now than there was guys like you know, I'll, I'll be 40 this year. Guys my age and older who grew up kind of having to be okay with not knowing sometimes. Um, and maybe having a little bit of suspicion of people who said that they could know, you know, yeah. like I get it, but your science says this and this science says that. So I don't really know who to believe. I'm going to do what works for me. Um, it is more like as the, as the information gets better and as the younger generations come up with the belief that like, no, more research is better. Smarter is better. Let's figure this out. I think the resistance to that will be less and less and it'll be, it'll be easier to get people to buy into that. Yeah, getting that buy-in is so important. I remember last year, Matt Carpenter um, was just brutal for the first six weeks of the season. And he's been very much, I mean, he hates the shift. He doesn't want to know analytics. He's just like, just wants to, to get in the cage and swing. And like, that's just how he does. Um, but the Cardinals actually, he went to the analytics team for the Cardinals and was like, okay, fine, what's happening? <laughs> and and in that instance, they were able to tell him, look, ev- everything's fine. You're still doing everything you've done that's been, that's made you good. It's just not, it's just not working right now. So just do what you do and you'll be fine. And, and sure enough, he was. Now, he's struggling in similar ways this year. I'm not sure if he's had that conversation with the analytics department yet or not, but it's getting that buy-in is, is certainly important. It is on the pitching side as well. We're seeing a lot more of that in not only the way guys are used, the way bullpens are used, but in in kind of how you can um, kind of create a role for yourself or, or for your skill set in a certain way. You mentioned the openers that will be used this weekend. A lot of people have very strong opinions about that as well. I know that Mike Schilt has been asked about it for the Cardinals. Doesn't seem interested at all. Um, although they do have a, an interesting mix of, of arms that could make that very effective were he to, mm. to try it. But I don't really expect to see that, at least not this season, from him. What is it, do you think, with this Rangers staff, uh, the, the coaching staff in particular, that is able to try something like this and get that buy-in from some, some of these pitchers in different roles than they've been in before? Um, some of it is just that the coaching staff is really good at communication. I had heard good things about Chris Woodward before he was hired, but after he was hired and I got a chance to talk to the guy, there's just no pretense whatsoever. And that having no pretense can go one of two ways. It can be the like Ned Yost, no pretense. We're like, I'll just say whatever's on my mind and screw you and get out of my office if you don't agree. But that's not what I'm talking about with Woodward. It's more Woodward's just very approachable, very like if you ask him a question that is a difficult question, he doesn't bristle and like get defensive. He's like, yeah, yeah, that, you know, that's a really good question. And I, I see where you're coming from. Um, and if he doesn't know, he's like, I don't really know. You know, we're working on that. It You won't very often surprise him unless you start talking to him about striking out the side. But <laughs> he, like, he's not surprised by the question. He's there. But if he doesn't have the answer, a lot of times he's like, yeah, I don't, I just don't know yet. Like, I'm still figuring it out. And I think that vulnerability, which is not a word you really hear a whole lot with professional athletes and their coaches, but that vulnerability to admit when he doesn't know, to admit when he's trying something to see how it works, that that kind of communication and just honesty with the players. The players don't wonder what he's thinking. There's no like, yeah, he's saying this, but it feels like maybe he's headed for this conclusion. He's just, there's just no guile. He's very 
very as as far as I know. Now maybe he's been just hiding stuff the whole season and he's really really good at it and he's a sociopath and we don't know. But as far as I can tell, uh, I think that's been part of it is just his like hey we're gonna we're gonna try this out. It might not work. If it doesn't work, we won't keep doing it. But I, I let's let's you know let's try it and see. And then I think some of it has been the buy-in from the pitchers themselves sort of spreading to the other pitchers. Uh, you know, Sean Kelly is somebody who has been used in just about every role there is to be used. He's kind of a journeyman and he's come in and be like, yeah, you want to put me in the fifth inning in a tough spot? Yeah, let's do it. You want to put me in the ninth inning? You know, the clerk's struggling. You want me to be the closer? That's fine. The clerk can have the job back when he's ready, but just well, I'm pitching like, that's fine. I think that level of just easygoing, nature has been pretty prevalent in the clubhouse as well. And there's just, it's, I've been in other clubhouses and I get that I'm the visiting guy, so I'm not going to have the same level of, um, you know, openness from other, other teams, but even hearing other beat writers talk about their teams, like the Rangers have a pretty good clubhouse of dudes that are like pretty easygoing. Um, there's, there's not many guys that are difficult to talk to, or that seem like they kind of have an attitude problem. And, and that helps when you've got a good coach that, genuinely means well will admit when he's wrong as Woodward has done on a couple of occasions this year he's like yeah that was a mistake I shouldn't have done that um I think that goes a long ways and especially when you have players that are also not really problem players so to speak yeah yeah now will that will that equate to winning no idea (laughs) that's always the the chicken or the egg thing right what comes first the good clubhouse or the winning I don't know. Right. Um, but if look at this series, uh, you did mention LeClerc will open tonight uh, yes. against Miles Michaelis going for the Cardinals, and it'll be Samson, I believe, following him in that game. Um, game two looks like it will be uh, Chavez maybe opening for, yes. for Gerardo. That is the plan right now. Um, I think we are waiting to hear. I haven't been with the team in Kansas City, so I feel like I'm about three days removed from good information. But uh, but that is the plan as far as I know right now. Yeah. So that'll be game two against Dakota Hudson for the Cardinals. Game three will be Drew Smiley versus Jack Flaherty. Anything stand out for you when you see those guys uh, on the list as far as who they'll see this weekend? Um, you mean on like the Rangers starters? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Smiley, I think... Smiley's the tricky one because he's been really good when he's been in the game and then it feels like he'll hit a cliff and drop off. And that, that's what happened in Houston last week where he was cruising right along and then loaded up the bases with walks, like just lost his control altogether. And it was, I think, the fourth inning or the third, no, fourth or fifth inning. Um, and that's kind of been the story. When he's been in there, he's been pretty good, but just hasn't been able to maintain it through. And I think a lot of that is just coming back from injury. So Honestly, I was a little surprised that Smiley wasn't one of the ones that was going to get an opener, and maybe he still will, depending on how the bullpen goes the first couple of games. Um, but yeah, he's 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 going to be good, I think, um, when he's in the game. The trick is just how long will he last. Gerardo has been Gerardo's been really interesting this year. Last year, he only had kind of one pitch. He just had a sinker, and he had other pitches, but really, no, he didn't. And this year, he's, his changeup has been a little better. Some of his, I think, uh, a slider curve has been been a little better he's been able to mix his pitches a little better it's it's been mostly helpful for him but he's had a couple of rough outings his last two times out so he's going to be an interesting one to watch as well as who's the real ariel harado is it the guy that came up and was great out of the bullpen or is it the guy that's given up a few runs the last couple outings so last couple of questions real quick people on twitter wanted to know first one's pretty simple will gallo hit 50 home runs this year <laughs> 
Ooh. Um, I mean, that's the over-under, I think, right? Yeah. I, I think yes, because okay. he has traditionally been a slow starter and heated up as the season went on. Now he's had a fast start, so if that continues, um, it should get real fun for Rangers fans come July and August. Second question, you sort of touched on him earlier, not going to see him this weekend, um, but Mike Miners this season, how surprising and how interesting has that been to watch on his part? Not that surprising for me, um, because the second half of last year, he was really good. So after the All-Star break, he was he kind of figured it out, and I think part of it was just him. Oh, I think what the Rangers hope happens with Smiley this year, like the first mm-hmm. half he struggled a little bit. He was kind of still, still trying to find his feel for everything. He had been in the bullpen the year before with Kansas City. Um, and then kind of something worked, you know, it, it, he turned a corner and he was great the second half of last season. So I wasn't that surprised, but it has been really interesting to watch because with the new pitching coach this year, um, Julio Rangel hasn't been a pitching coach before. He's been a pitching instructor with the Indians. Um, there were a lot of people that credited him with kind of their starters uh, exceeding expectations when he was there. And last year, Doug Brocale was very much a like established the inside fastball guy. This year, they're like, there is no establish anything, throw any pitch in any count, because the less predictable you are, the better that the, the better success you're going to have. And so he's his pitch mix has been better this year. I think it's been really good for him. And then also he's really developed in the last offseason a, um, a front door changeup. So from the left-hand side, it kind of comes in. And to a right-handed batter, it looks like it's going to be inside. And then at the last minute, it kind of dips over and crosses the inside part of the plate. And then when you can mix that with a slider from the same arm slot that starts inside and then breaks in and looks like it's going to hit, you know, would actually hit the batter, that can be really difficult to ascertain which one of those pitches is coming. And then kind of once they start to figure that out, then he's like, well, then I can take the change up and start it in the middle of the plate and go outside and get some swing and miss. And so that's been really effective for him this year. And as long as he's able to execute those pitches, then that's great. Then his fastball, which isn't an overwhelming fastball, but it has a good spin rate. It stays up. Then that becomes way more like it looks faster because you've been seeing these, you know, this curveball, the slider, and the changeup all game, and then all of a sudden here comes a fastball, and you think you can hit it, and it jumps over your bat. So it's been it's been really interesting um, to watch that happen for him. Well, it sounds like even with all of the moving parts, it's been an interesting team to write about. Nonetheless, everyone can find you at the Athletic, but you also have a new podcast. Do you wanna wanna give it a quick plug? I- do yeah it's tuesdays and fridays it's also uh behind the paywall on on the athletic but we just wanted to sort of increase the value of a subscription so it's myself and uh emily jones who is the sideline reporter for the rangers who you may recognize emily from getting gatorade or sorry powerade uh dumped on her or near her after Rangers games. Um, And it's great. And we're still, neither of us have hosted a podcast before. So we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, It's it's pretty, uh, we're we're finding our voice really still. So you can get it on the ground level and kind of go. I remember when they were talking about cooking disasters, which is what is on today's show, cooking disasters. (laughs) There you go. A little tease for the show. Well, Levi, thanks so much for your time this morning and uh, looking forward to the series this weekend. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. Well, Shelby Miller looks to be bullpen bound, at least for now. So maybe keep an eye out for him pitching in relief this weekend in a spot that makes sense for a struggling starter to try to gain some footing, which is 
kind of every inning against the St. Louis Cardinals these days. But as luck would have it, the Cardinals will also miss the second best Rangers starter this season. That is, of course, familiar face Lance Lynn, who I'm sure has been a delight in Texas. Now the Cardinals could use a little bit more luck as they are coming off of a 3-11 stretch. As for the Rangers, they did put up huge double-digit numbers in Kansas City yesterday, but it's been a bit of a struggle up and down, like Levi said, for them as of late as well. They have, however, been much better at home, so perhaps that cancels out, out the, the good luck of not facing their top two starters. We shall see. Make sure you give Levi a follow on Twitter if you're a subscriber to The Athletic. Check out his work there if you want more information about the Rangers. Follow me on Twitter, follow Birds on the Black, subscribe to this channel. You know the drill. That's all I've got. I'll see you next time.